1962, a group of Inupiat people hunted for seals in the Beaufort Sea. The freezing expanse to the north of Alaska was only about 1,000 miles from the North Pole. They carefully steered their kayaks around the massive ice chunks that covered the ocean's surface. The ice constantly shifted, threatening to close in and surround the boats. The hunters scanned the waterline, searching for seals as they came up for air. But then, something cast a shadow over the water. The hunters looked up in amazement. A few hundred yards from their kayaks, a huge ship glided by. It loomed high above their heads. Its black paint was cracked, revealing the rusted metal underneath. And from top to bottom, the ship was completely encased in ice. It was like someone had left it in the freezer. The Inupiat could just make out the name etched on the bow, the Bechamo. The hunters had heard stories of this ghost ship that roamed the polar seas. Rumor suggested that there was treasure on board, a bounty of white fox furs worth over a million dollars. But as the Inupiat tried to get a closer look, the boat drifted past, indifferent to their presence. Before they knew it, the Bechamo was gone. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on ghost ships. Throughout history, people abandoned their vessels, leaving the boats to sail across the world empty. This time, we'll discuss the Bechamo, the so-called ghost ship of the Arctic. We'll also explore the reasons why the seas near the North Pole are strewn with the wreckage of deserted vessels. Next episode, we'll examine the legends of ghost ships that have captivated the world for centuries. We'll also investigate the ships whose crews have vanished without a trace. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. The Arctic Circle holds some of the world's most hazardous oceans. All year round, the sea is dotted with flows, flat chunks of ice that float across the surface. As winter closes in, the flows freeze together, creating massive plains that cover the entire sea. But the ice pack is deceptive. It's not as stable as it looks. It's always moving. Flows continually press together or pull apart, depending on the direction of the wind and currents. They can separate in an instant, momentarily opening up a gap in the ice that a boat can sail through. But just as quickly, the flows can completely encircle a ship and freeze together, trapping it. That's not the only danger. The flows are powerful. They can grind into each other with enough velocity to create pressure ridges taller than a person. 
This makes crossings on foot extremely difficult. In the late fall, the sound of the flows creaking and scraping against each other echo through the Arctic. It's loud enough to drown out the sound of a boat's engine. If a vessel is unfortunate enough to get caught in the middle of the ice, the pressure can be strong enough to crush a ship like it was made of tin foil. Or it may tear an opening in the hull, allowing water to rush in and sink the boat before anyone has time to escape. To avoid getting trapped, ships in the Arctic need to leave before the polar ice pack appears. Depending on the year, this means they may have to depart sometime in the fall before the end of September. But it's not easy to predict exactly when the freeze will set in. Many ships fail to make it out in time. In 1845, two British ships, the HMS Erebus and Terror, embarked on an expedition to the Arctic. They were in search of the fabled Northwest Passage, a sea route that would connect the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans through northern Canada. If found, the passage would serve as a shortcut between the British Empire and East Asia. The expedition was risky, but if successful, it would go down in history. In July 1845, the ships anchored off the northwest coast of Greenland. They were waiting for the ice to break up so they could journey west. But that year was unusually cold. The seas were covered with an impenetrable maze of flows. The Erebus and Terror waited a full year for the ice to clear. By 1846, nothing had changed. Even though it was late and the waters were perilous, the crew wanted to continue their expedition. They thought they could make it to the Pacific before the winter freeze set in. This was a disastrous decision. On September 12, 1846, the ice trapped both ships in the Canadian Arctic. 129 men were stuck as they waited for the spring thaw, but it never came. A year passed, and then another, but the cold didn't let up. The flows held the ships fast. By 1848, the ship's provisions were almost depleted. There were no local plants to eat, animals to hunt, or wood to burn. Hopeless that they'd ever escape from their frozen prison, the surviving members set out on foot for the Canadian mainland. They were never heard from again. No one knew what happened to the ships, either. A rescue mission searched the area in 1848, but they couldn't locate the Erebus or Terror. It was like they'd vanished into thin air. In actuality, the boats had moved with the ice pack. They drifted along, looming like monuments to the doomed expedition. It's unclear how many years it took for the ice to melt. When it did, the ship's wooden hulls were warped from years of being squeezed. As soon as the ice finally released them, they sank. Their final resting place was about 80 miles away from where it's believed they originally froze. After their disappearance, the Erebus and Terror became warnings to those who dared to sail in the Arctic. But these stories didn't discourage people from trying. It was too tempting to search for the Northwest Passage or to make a potential fortune exploiting the region's resources. In September 1871, 
A fleet of whaling boats prowled the waters off of Point Belcher, Alaska, the northernmost part of the United States. The hunt was going so well that the crews ignored the fact that winter was just around the corner. Locals implored them not to linger so late in the year, but the greedy captains didn't heed their advice. One by one, all 33 ships became trapped in the ice. It happened almost overnight before any of them had time to escape. The crews and passengers had to flee before the vessels were destroyed and pulled under. There were 1,219 people in total, not just sailors, but their families as well. Using the ship's smaller rowboats, they navigated through the thinning channels of water that hadn't been frozen yet. All of the abandoned vessels were left to the ice, completely unsalvageable. Their flags, hung upside down to signal for help, were ripped to shreds by the Arctic wind. Eventually, the ship sank, like the sea was taking its revenge. Their destruction was a major disaster for the American whaling industry. The loss amounted to over $30 million in today's money. In 1897, eight ships were caught in a freeze off of Point Barrow, Alaska. The ice was so packed that a rescue expedition used reindeer and sleds to bring food to the stranded crew. The 1,500-mile journey took almost four months. New technology promised to change all this. In the 20th century, wooden sailing ships gave way to steam engines and steel hulls. The vessels had reinforced bows that could slide onto the ice and crush it with the weight of the ship. These were called icebreakers. One such icebreaker was the Ungermanelven. It was 230 feet long, about the wingspan of a commercial airplane, and weighed 1,322 tons. It was state-of-the-art and outfitted with three coal-burning engines. During World War I, the boat brought goods to German ports along the Baltic Sea. Because of its strong bow, it could even trade during the winter, plowing through the frosty water. When the war ended in 1918, Germany relinquished large merchant vessels like the Ungerman Elven to pay for their mandatory reparations to the Allied powers. The boat ended up in Britain, and in 1921, the Hudson's Bay Company bought it. Its new owners renamed the vessel the Bechamo. The company had been trading furs in North America since the 17th century, and the newly christened Bechamo's ice-breaking bow was perfectly suited for the Canadian seas. If it could brave the stormy seas off Labrador, it would make the company rich in fox furs. That is, if it survived. Coming up, the Bechamo's adventures in the Arctic. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. In films like Pirates of the Caribbean, they're portrayed as swaggering anti-heroes. In books like Treasure Island, they're fearsome villains. But who were they really? That's the question that Real Pirates, the new Spotify original from Parcast, answers. The whole thing about a pirate ship is that they were heavily manned. But you could have 100 pirates on board, so these are floating violence factories. At the same time, pirates were really fascinating characters, in a way. If you were born poor, you stayed poor. Pirates, on the other hand, they were able to transcend that social boundary. They didn't see 
themselves just as thieves and brigands. They saw themselves as social revolutionaries. Set sail under the black flag alongside notorious outlaws like Blackbeard, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, and Mary Reed. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting November 15th. Follow and listen to Real Pirates for free on Spotify. Now back to the story. In June 1921, the Bechamo departed for the Arctic on a fur trading mission. The region contained some of the harshest seas in the world. Any vessel that stayed too long risked becoming trapped in the ice pack when it froze for the winter. The crew was well aware of the dangers ahead. Less than 10 years ago, the Titanic, which was almost four times bigger than the Bechamo, had hit an iceberg and sank. Now the Bechamo was headed into even worse waters. Ice wasn't the only danger. They'd also face hurricane-level winds and dense fog. Somehow, the Bechamo survived all these perils. In September 1921, the crew completed their trading mission. They'd proven the ship could withstand the intense Arctic voyages. Stuffed to the brim with fox furs, the Bechamo sailed back to Britain. The Hudson's Bay Company was very pleased. Furs were a hot commodity in the 1920s. But to maximize profits, the Bechamo would need to go somewhere far more dangerous next. The company decided to send the ship to Siberia along Russia's eastern coast. Not only was Siberia infamous for its freezing temperatures, but Russia was in the midst of a political revolution. Two factions vied for control. Soviet communists who championed the working class and monarchists who were loyal to the Tsar. By 1921, the Soviets had gained the upper hand. They weren't about to let capitalist countries like Britain do business in their territory. Despite the risks, the Bechamo sailed in February 1922. It traveled to the Hudson's Bay Company base in Vancouver, then crossed the Bering Sea to the eastern side of Siberia. The voyage was rough, and once they arrived in Siberia, it got even rougher. Near a river port, the Bechamo ran aground in shallow water. It was a bad situation for any ship, but the Bechamo faced an added layer of peril. The Russian Revolution raged on the shores near the boat. The ship could be seized by either side at any minute. They had to get out, and fast. To get unstuck, the crew lightened its load. The captain ordered valuable cargo to be thrown overboard, including necessary provisions like cases of rice, beef, and pickled cabbage. They even had to give up their chamber pots. In total, about $50,000 worth of goods went into the river. But it didn't work. The Bechamo was still mired until the next high tide. The rising water might be deep enough to free the ship, but if the bottom of the hull was damaged, it might not stay afloat. Luckily, the plan succeeded. The Bechamo wrenched free and sailed out of danger. Fate had given it a second chance. For the rest of the summer, the Bechamo traded in Siberia. Soon, September rolled around, the deadline to get out before the winter ice set in. So, the crew headed back to Vancouver and then home to Britain. 
The Bechamo was now known as an intrepid vessel that had faced down icy seas as well as political foes. And its next voyage would be its most daring yet, a rescue mission. In August 1924, a ship called the Lady Kindersley had sailed from Point Barrow, Alaska. The wind had abruptly changed directions, blowing ice flows into the ship's path. Soon, it was stuck. And if that wasn't bad enough, the huge flow that held the Lady Kindersley drifted out to sea, with the ship and the crew still in it. On August 6th, two rescue ships tried to break a path through the ice for the Lady Kindersley. Neither succeeded. In fact, one of the rescue ships got trapped too. The flows clamped the rescue ship so tightly they broke a hole in the timber hull. Freezing water gushed in. Its crew barely had time to escape onto the ice. Despite the failed rescue, the Hudson's Bay Company did not want the Lady Kindersley's crew to abandon ship. They were more concerned about losing the cargo than the people. After nine days, the Lady Kindersley's captain sent a cable to Vancouver. Send the Bechamo immediately. When it got the call, the Bechamo was near the Bering Strait. It steamed towards northern Alaska as fast as it could, but it was over 1,000 miles away. As the Lady Kindersley's circumstances grew more dire, the Hudson's Bay Company sent another boat to save the crew. Despite its valiant efforts, the Bechamo didn't arrive in time to salvage the doomed Lady Kindersley. The other rescue ship beat them to the punch and helped the crew escape on foot. As for the vessel, it was lost. Another sacrifice to the unforgiving Arctic. But the Bechamo survived, and over the next five years, they traded in the Arctic every summer. On July 7, 1931, it left Vancouver for what should have been a routine trip to northwestern Canada. But some crewmen were uneasy about the idea. The captain, Sidney Cornwell, worried that the ship wasn't strong enough to last another year in the ice fields. After 10 years of service, it had taken enough damage already. But the Hudson's Bay Company ignored his concerns. They weren't about to leave a year's worth of fox pelts just because the ship was a little worse for the wear. So the Bechamo set off on its journey. The crew expected to return in about four months. That year, the ice was particularly thick. Usually, the 600-mile journey from Nome, Alaska to Point Barrow took a few days, but the Bechamo spent a whole month getting there. They finally reached Point Barrow on August 22, 1931. This was uncomfortably close to the late September cutoff when the ice made sailing impossible. Four days later, the Bechamo arrived at Herschel Island on the northernmost tip of Canada's Yukon province. After dropping off supplies, the crew left for the next port and ran into a pack of ice. The next day it tried again and still couldn't get past the bergs. Captain Cornwell took this as a sign that the Bechamo needed to get out of the Arctic as quickly as possible. But Ralph Parsons, the fur commissioner for the Hudson's Bay Company, thought otherwise. He argued that they should stay on their assigned trade route. Parsons didn't know much about ice. He was there to represent the company's interests, 
and when Captain Cornwell seemed unconvinced, he talked up the mission as a daring feat. The other crewmen didn't trust Parsons. They saw that he was goading the captain into doing something risky. But in the end, Cornwell gave in. The next morning, the Bechamo finally sailed away from Herschel Island. It made its way through the thin, watery labyrinths that constantly vanished and reappeared. The boat's propeller chopped at the thick ice. Each turn threatened to break the blades off. From there, the ship continued east towards Canada's Northwest Territories, farther into the ice. By the time the Bechamo left its final trading stop, it was already September 9th. The crew pointed its bow back towards Alaska, hoping to make the thousand-mile journey before the winter closed in. At first, the weather conditions were decent. Then, the wind picked up from the northwest, blowing ice and snow right in the Bechamo's direction. Time was running out. As it inched towards Point Barrow, the ice grew worse. Often, the crew found their routes blocked. They kept having to back up and find a new passageway. Once, while the ship was trying to reverse, its propeller snagged on the ice and lost a blade. Conditions were so bad that Captain Cornwell may have considered turning back to Herschel Island to spend the winter there. But he thought that if they could just make it past Point Barrow, the worst would be over. But after they reached their destination, Captain Cornwell discovered a new threat. The vessel was caught between an ice pack on one side and the heavy flows along the shore. If the wind blew the sea ice towards the coast, the Bechamo would be caught in the middle. For three days, the Bechamo couldn't move. The temperature was below freezing. Ice stretched as far as the eye could see. On September 24th, a lookout in the masthead spotted a passage that could bring them to safety. But the next morning, it was gone. It had frozen solid overnight. Hope was rapidly dwindling, and so was the coal supply. If they ran out, they wouldn't make it back to Vancouver. After a week, Captain Cornwell heard more bad news from a local trader. The ice extended all the way to the Bering Strait. They had to face the truth. The Bechamo was lost. If the crew couldn't save the ship, at least they could save themselves. On foot, they crossed to the shore, which was only 300 feet away. Using materials from the Bechamo, they built a makeshift hut. From there, they could keep an eye on the boat and its cargo. Since they couldn't sail out of Alaska, planes would have to pick them up and take them home. But this would take time. They hunkered down to wait for rescue. It took a few weeks, but on October 15th, two planes arrived. They were only big enough to carry 22 passengers total. The 15 remaining crew members, including the captain, stayed behind. They'd have to spend the winter on that lonely shore guarding the ship's cargo, $42,000 worth of fox furs. But there was little they could do as they watched the Bechamo gradually drift away. It was moving with the ice pack. On November 18th, Captain Cornwell watched as the sun disappeared over the horizon. The long polar winters had minimal sunlight, 
and this was the last daylight he'd see for two months. A few days later, a blizzard raged, the wind howled, the ice groaned and cracked like boulders crashing down a mountain. When the crew awoke on the morning of November 26th, the Bechamo was gone. Coming up, the Bechamo wanders the Arctic seas. Now back to the story. In September 1931, the Bechamo was trapped in the ice near Point Barrow, Alaska. The crew abandoned ship and watched anxiously from the shore. About two months later, after a raging storm, the ship disappeared, spirited away by the roving ice. The crew was devastated, but they still hoped that the ship might turn up again. They searched along the coast, even as flurries of snow numbed their faces and made it difficult to see. Still, the Bechamo stayed out of sight. A week passed, and news of the missing ship spread all over Alaska. Word about the disappearance reached three trappers just southwest of Point Barrow. After another particularly bad snowstorm, they saw something looming in the water. It looked like three thin trees in the middle of the white icy ocean. It was a ship. The Bechamo's masts stood five miles offshore, about 70 miles from where it had originally gotten stuck. The trappers were elated. If they could use their dog sleds to reach the vessel and salvage its cargo, they could sell it back to the Hudson's Bay Company. The trappers and their dog teams clambered over the huge pressure ridges that had sprung up during the blizzard. They finally reached the abandoned ship. As they climbed into the hold, their eyes lit up with glee. Before them were stacks upon stacks of white fox furs. There were thousands of them. They loaded 14 bales, each containing 100 furs, onto their sleds. But their dogs, exhausted from the journey to the ship, couldn't pull the heavy load. So the trappers ditched two bales and sped to Captain Cornwell's camp. When the trappers arrived, they informed the crew of their excursion. For the first time in weeks, there was some hope that the Bechamo could be saved. They took Captain Cornwell to see his lost ship. But the ice had shifted, and now it was impossible to cross. The Bechamo disappeared once again. Captain Cornwell and the remaining crew stayed in the area through New Year's, hoping to catch another glimpse of their lost vessel. But it wasn't meant to be. On February 12, 1932, four months after the ice trapped the Bechamo, the Hudson's Bay Company gave up. Captain Cornwell and the crew left Alaska on a plane. The Bechamo was permanently abandoned to the elements. But the story of the Bechamo lived on. Sea captains in the region told tales of the vessel loaded with treasure, just waiting to be discovered. Many assumed that it was halfway to Siberia. In July 1933, one of those captains, a man named Kari Polson, set sail in a small wooden schooner called the Trader. One day, a small boat from a nearby village rowed up to the trader. 
The men on board said they'd spotted something out at sea, the wreck of the Bejamo. It was 12 miles offshore. They couldn't reach it in their rowboat, but if the trader could make it there, they might be able to tow it in. Eager to salvage the lucrative prize, the trader headed out. The captain carefully steered through the exposed channels, wary of the same dangers that had wrecked the Bejamo. The trader didn't want to meet the same fate, but the ship was so close. Then the crew saw it. At first glance, it looked like a normal boat. But as they got closer, they realized that from top to bottom, the whole vessel was covered in about four feet of ice. The base sat in a giant ice floe like it was resting on a dinner plate. Since they couldn't sail to the mired vessel, the crew of the trader carefully stepped onto the ice. The ghost ship loomed silently over them. A tattered rope hung over the edge of its hull. They used it to pull themselves onto the deck. On board, they found a random assortment of cargo. Mattresses, a typewriter, books, charts, cartons of soap, even a bucket of pickles. The ice had preserved everything just as it had been two years before. A crew member went below decks to check on the engine. Somehow, it wasn't damaged. That meant it was possible to tow the ship, but the trader wasn't big enough. They wouldn't be able to take home the prized Bechimo after all. Defeated, the crew went back to their own ship. It took them several hours to make their way out of the ice and back to safety. By that time, the fog had completely closed in. The Bechimo was out of reach yet again. But those on board the trader got one last glimpse of the ship before it disappeared. In the Arctic, the atmospheric conditions can bend light and create optical illusions. One of these is called a Fata Morgana, when objects in the distance appear as mirror images of themselves in the sky. The trader's crew witnessed this phenomenon when they saw the reflection of the Bechamo hovering upside down just above the horizon. It was a fitting goodbye. The elusive Bechamo passed from reality into legend, always just beyond humanity's reach. It became known as the ghost ship of the Arctic. Over the next few decades, traders occasionally caught sight of the ship, only for it to disappear back into the fog. The last time anyone saw the Bechamo was in 1969, almost 40 years after it had gotten trapped in the ice. After that, its fate is unknown. But nobody knows where the Bechamo actually went. There are many theories. Some, like Captain Paulson, thought it must have floated out to Siberia. Others speculated that it made its way through the Northwest Passage all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Given the sightings, it's most likely that the Bechamo got caught in the Beaufort Gyre, a system of currents that circulate around the Beaufort Sea north of Alaska. It moved in a figure eight, following the same route year after year. Thus, the ship always passed within sight of where it was abandoned. It probably eventually sank, finally crushed into a rusty pulp by the pressure buildup of the ice. And once it submerged, the huge bergs beneath the waterline would have warped it even more. If the ship still exists today, 
It has to be unrecognizable, a crumpled mass of steel. But maybe it's still out there. The wreck has never been found. In 2006, the Alaskan government tried to identify the site of the Bechamo, but they couldn't locate it with sonar or satellite technology. They weren't only looking for the Bechamo. The ice had claimed at least 4,000 ships along the Alaskan coastline. Most of their fates are still unknown. The Arctic seas were ruthless places where those doomed vessels sank. Countless vessels went missing there, but now, Something else is disappearing. The ice. With global climate change, the flows that destroyed so many ships are vanishing. Scientists report that polar ice declines by 13% every decade. The Arctic is rapidly being destroyed. The days of ships getting caught in the ice may be coming to an end, but they're not over just yet. In 2013, all the way on the other end of the world, in Antarctica, a Russian research vessel became trapped in the ice with 74 people on board. It took an international team of three rescue ships to evacuate the crew. And the poles aren't the only places where ships go missing. All over the world, there are legends of ghost ships. Some of them are said to be captained by doomed spirits, but others have no crew at all. During the 1920s, a ship ran aground near a lighthouse in North Carolina. But when a rescue team arrived, there was no one on board. Signs pointed to murder. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with part two of Ghost Ships. For more information on the Bechamo, amongst the many sources we used, we found Bechamo, Arctic Ghost Ship, by Anthony Dalton, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Kirsten Liu, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerline and research by Chelsea Wood. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. Blackbeard, Charles Vane, and Bonnie. Who were they really? Real Pirates is a new Spotify original from Parcast. Join us starting November 15th as we bring the true story of pirates to life.